Hi. 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 I feel like it's been a thousand years since we've talked. It has. It seriously, it's been so freaking long. So much has happened. I know. It feels like like I was driving home from the bank and I was like, did we miss an episode? <laughs> like, did we go a week without an episode? And I was like, no. It feels <laughs> so long between each one when we don't record between each one. It's so weird. It's so weird. It feels so long. Yeah. How are that. you? I'm good, dude. I'm real good. Good. How are you? How's your head? You know, <laughs> it's awesome. Last Saturday, I like literally couldn't stand up. Like, Aww. sweet Evan cleaned the whole house alone, and I kept like going upstairs being like, Do you need any help? And he was like, Yeah, can you fold this laundry? And it took me like 40 minutes to fold because <laughs> I was just like unable to do anything. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going back downstairs, I'm going to sleep. So it's a little better than that, but. Um, yesterday well, every, was pretty, pretty much anything is better than that. Yeah, honestly, yesterday was pretty good. Um, but I woke up this morning and it's like, it's like there are apparently two big giant storms coming in. So uh, I like woke up and I like felt like right. garbage. And then I, uh, went out to my parents' house and like walked out the front door and was like, oh yeah, this all makes sense as to why I feel like this. So yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, you know, so that's like still a thing, but nice. Yeah. How are you? How's your sweet pup? Oh my God. She's so great. She's perfect. (laughs) She, I love her. She's so perfect. She is currently sleeping on my legs. Well, I guess she's not asleep. She's lounging on my legs. Uh, and I thought that like when we started the call and she heard your voice and whatever, I thought she was going to, like, look at the phone or look at me or be all confused. And then I realized, oh, no, I listen to podcasts all the time. She's used to it. She's just like, oh, yeah, this is just yeah, normal. She's like, is this the politics one? Is this the murder one? Is this the disease one? Oh, man, I don't know how you listen to disease podcasts. That just sounds like the perfect it's... way to make my already high level of anxiety be just higher. It it's they're fewer and farther between the other ones I listen to like on a weekly basis and those mm-hmm. I have to be like ready for the next one and then I'll digest yeah. that one for a while and then I'll pick another one that makes sense it's fascinating but yeah like the rabies one really stuck with me oh yeah I was like, I'm gonna die I'm gonna die yeah yeah I don't think I but yeah don't don't add that into your mix yeah you don't need more anxiety I think I'm self-aware enough to, you know, just know that that's something that sounds very interesting that I would probably get a lot out of in the moment and then for the next weeks be just like, oh, no, I guaranteed yeah. have the bubonic plague. I super have the bubonic. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. I do want a disclaimer at the beginning of this. That there's a high chance that we'll hear little yelps or something. Um, because when Trevor gets home, if he's in the other room and she can't see both of us, she'll freak out. Okay. And so, yeah. That's funny because I was also going to do a disclaimer that I'm recording this downstairs because it's my day off. So I'm downstairs. So 
it's super possible that we hear one or both of the cats. Okay. Is there a reason you only hang out downstairs on your days off? No, no. I mean, I only record downstairs when Evan's not home. Oh. So that I'm not like, so he's not like trying to watch TV or something. Normally I record up in the spare room. um, But since nobody's home and downstairs is really close to our like Wi-Fi box or whatever, however Wi-Fi works. (laughs) I was like, maybe this will be better. Cause like I've noticed um, in editing, there are a lot of times on, on my side of recording where it'll have like a word of mine that'll have like a two second gap in between the word, Mm. which is weird. And I think it's just because the spare room is like basically as far away from our Wi-Fi as you can get. Maybe you might be onto something there. So yeah, I'm going to try it out, but it does mean that it's super possible that Greg will come down and stomp around and ruin a bunch of things. So, Oh my God. (laughs) Speaking of Greg, I have a story that Tell me. was like, you have to put this on your podcast. And I was like, don't, <laughs> don't worry, I will. So last Friday I get home and it's like, I'm going to clean up the house. I got, I like walked in the door and like immediately it was that thing. I walked in and like our house smelled weird. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, what happened? And so I, I like kind of came into the kitchen and like ran our garbage disposal. Cause like, you know, having a garbage disposal, it doesn't get run all the time. And so like, I was like, maybe there's just something in there that we forgot to run. Yeah. Garbage disposal and like nothing happened. Like it still smelled super weird. And so I was like, huh. Okay. Well, I was going to go run to the store. So I was like, well, I've got to go pee. So I'm going to pee first and then I'll run to the store. And so I like started walking upstairs and six steps up was 100%, 100% covered in cat barf. Like this, the entire step, like it was pretty clear that Greg sat, against the wall and just peeked outward because the whole step was covered in cat barf. I told Evan, he was like, how do you know it was Greg? And I was like, because Ellie would just be a husk of a cat. Like, yeah, she's small. There would be nothing left inside of her if it was Ellie. (laughs) It was so gross. I was like, oh my God, no wonder our house smells like butthole. It just, our whole cat just exploded on the stairs like I should have taken a photo of it because honestly like I wasn't even mad you know like it was just you just have to be impressed just have to be yeah I'm really uh really stoked that dogs don't puke as much as cats do yeah oh my god well and it was really it was really clear what happened because it was like almost entirely like just cat food and so it was pretty clear that Greg just ate too much too fast I guarantee you that Ellie walked by him. He tried to pick a fight with her. She ran upstairs. He tried to chase her, got halfway up the steps and puked everywhere because he ate too fast. (laughs) God, I just, (sighs) that cat. Yeah, man. I swear. Sometimes I'm just like, I should just throw you away. Just take you right up. (laughs) Just put you in the dumpster. Just throw you away. Goodbye. Don't do that. No, that. that inhumane and stuff he was i won't do that adding some cat potpourri you know oh man it was something it was gross it was gross i evan got home and i was like listen you get the next four cat barfs like that's fair you get them because i'm not i'm not doing it again for a while oof i would not be able to deal with that no thank you nope yeah. nope hard pass no 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 um 
our sweet girl does the the really fun thing where she gets excited and um especially like when one of us comes home from work and she just can't handle everything and she's so excited and so she's like reaching out you know like jumping up and putting her paws on us and reaching out and then if we sit on the floor or get anywhere where her paws can get near her face she will lovingly punch us in the face throat eyes oh with all all the love she possesses and it is so comforting and nice and hurts real bad but you can't be mad because yeah overwhelmed with the power of love man my eyeball is gonna feel it can't wait to meet her oh my gosh i can't wait for you to meet her she's so great hey reagan uh yeah (laughs) welcome to babe town oh right this isn't just a a phone call it's not just us just i mean i love that and i would love to do that all the time should we transition this into a pet podcast (gasps) um although i mean honestly it's quickly becoming one so that's fair. They do keep making guest appearances. <sighs> yep. At all the times that we super want them to. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. I feel welcome. Do you, I would like to welcome you to Babe Town. Oh my God. I feel the most welcomed that I've ever Good. felt. Good. Oh man. Especially in light of recent events. I've super needed this podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude. We started Babe Town because we were bummed about the state of the planet and uh, need a little pick-me-up and a little hype going. So um, this way we're able to hype each other up about great ladies through history that have done some pretty incredible things, oftentimes in the face of wild adversity. Wild adversity is a great way of putting it. Yeah. So now we have a podcast that we both like a lot. And have been getting so many – I mean, geez, dude, every time somebody – reaches out and is like, hey, this made me smile, or like, hey, I felt super inspired after listening to this. I'm like, that's great news, because that's how we feel about it all the time. Yeah. So, like, if you guys feel that way and want to let us know about it, it makes our life, so. It's just, it's so nice to be able to spread positivity, and even unknowingly, because, like, who knows if people listen to this or if they like it, you know, but, like, right. even just right. being an agent of, like, hopefully you find this encouraging and positive too. And then mm-hmm. to have people be like, holy crap, that's exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. my heart real full. I know. Me too. Me too. So everybody that's done that. Thank you. Um, we love you guys so much. Yeah. So much. Um, Reagan, I've got a second question for you. Technically the first question was mine, but take it away. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are you drinking anything? Oh, I am. What are you drinking? I'm still on that box of wine. Great. They're so, they last for so long. It's a wonderful invention. Well, I'm still on that six pack of shandies, so. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Might be October, you. but it is still summer in my stomach. <laughs> Gross. Which, Summer in My Stomach is the name of my first album. So, <laughs> everybody be on the lookout for that. Taylor. Yes. When was your babe born? Unclear, but probably somewhere around 1624. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I when was your babe born? Adore it. After that, that's for After sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so uh, I'm going first. Yeah, take it away. I am doing themed 
spooky ladies for this month. Me too. Oh my god, I'm so happy about this. Are you Which doing I'm, like I'm starting I'm starting like the lightest of the light spooky. Ooh, I can't wait to hear this what is, yours is about. This is a toe a toe dipped into spooky. Okay, mine's not. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Reagan. Yes. Have you ever heard of Mary Webster? It rings a bell, but that might just be the Webster Webster and Cohen quote from Cool Runnings. Okay, not, this is not going to be Cool Runnings related, but I really, really appreciate that that's where your brain went. (laughs) Just immediately Webster. I'm like Webster, Webster and Cohen. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, that's great. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I really hope not. Because I had never heard of this lady until, um, so speaking of uh, podcasts that we like and listen to, have you listened to Lore? No. So it's a um, podcast by this guy, Aaron Mankey, and it goes through, every episode goes through different, like, folklore legends and, like, like goes through the history of them. So you nice. hear a lot about, like, the first one that I listened to is about werewolves, and it was just, like, talking about this little town in Germany that had a serial killer, but it was back in the, like, 1300s, so nobody knew how to... When, yeah, everything's a curse, and... Yeah, yeah, so... Um, anyway, that's how I heard about this the first time. And I was like, this is amazing. So mm-hmm. um, shout out to Lore. It's episode 12 called Half Hanged, if you want to hear more about this. So, um, okay. So Mary Webster, she was born in England around 1624, but her family moves to Springfield in the Massachusetts Bay Colony when she was a baby. Okay. Um, so basically there is no info about her childhood that I could find. Like, her main story is a lot later in her life. So she marries William Webster when she was about 46. They lived in Hadley, Massachusetts. Um, both of them were broke as shit. So they were like the lowest socioeconomic class in Hadley. Um, okay. Mary also had a reputation for being really mean. <laughs> like she was not like a nice lady. Good. She, Good. she was Good. just like, kind of a dick to everybody um in the history of hadley which was published in 1905 written by sylvester judd um he says that she had a quote temper which was not most placid <laughs> which i love <laughs> <laughs> and so um she would like get in fights with her neighbors all the time and like yell at people on the road and like just was a grumpy lady she was just a grumpy older lady great um, Everybody that talks about Mary Webster currently is like, yeah, you know, being super broke probably didn't help her temperament at all. No, that's Um, not really a cheery situation. You know, it's really not. Um, So all of her neighbors thought that she was an asshole because, like, she probably was. Sure. Um, And because this was Puritan era Massachusetts, guess what they started calling her? A witch. A witch. They started calling her a witch because she was kind of a dick and a lady. So naturally, the only explanation as to why a lady wouldn't be super smiley and happy all the time is because she's a witch. So I can't um, think of any other possible explanations for that. No other reason. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so apparently, it was interesting reading, um, apparently a common denominator that historians talk about with witchcraft trials all throughout New England 1600s uh-huh. is that most of, if not all of the accused are super broke people, which I, was, which I wrote, makes sense. America's never really been a fan of poor people. No, no, so, not. you know, stay in the course. Way to go. Um, people also used to believe that when a witch was being witchy, the way to stop them was just to disturb them, to basically like interrupt the witchcraft. So, okay. um, this, and it was like a really common thing of like, oh yeah, man, that lady's doing some witchcraft. We better go just kind of fuck with her hey. for a little bit. Hey, you lady. Disturb it. Right. But that could mean almost anything. Like it could mean just like yelling at them a bunch or like pounding on their door in the middle of the night or like beating the shit out of them. Like it could mean any gambit of things. Oh, oh my. Okay. Yeah. Super cool. Super cool. Um, so because everybody thought that Mary was a witch, it meant that Mary had a really terrible time in Hadley, Massachusetts. Like just yeah. there was there were just so many rumors about her all the time. Um, there was a rumor that she'd cursed cattle and horses so that nobody could drive past her house, which <laughs> meant that all of the all of the drivers trying to drive past her house just went and beat the shit out of her to quote unquote disturb her, and then suddenly they were able to drive. Like, oh God, it's just come on, you guys. It's just so many like terrible excuses for just being an asshole to this lady. Um, so there's one story that, like, I can't find any sort of, like, concrete information on, but apparently one time she walked into a house and a chicken fell out of the chimney into a boiling pot of water, which, like, <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. And um, everybody was like, man, that's weird as shit. And then they, like, looked at her and she had a burn mark on her arm. And so, like... In 2019, everybody is like, yeah, she probably got splashed by that boiling water that a chicken in a chimney fell into. But everybody in the 1680s was like, nah, bud, that's that's the mark of a witch right there. That's what that is. So people disliked her so much that in 1683, they did an investigation into whether or not she was a witch. Which, like, what does that even mean? Yeah, what is that? That's not a thing. Yeah. So um, Northampton, which I guess is like the county, I think, that Hadley was in, the courts decided that it was too big of a job for them to handle. They were like, no, she's too witchy. So they sent her over to Boston. Good plan. It's just crazy to me that this is like actual American history. There are enough enough, um, uh, cheery poor people in Boston. Right. That, and men. That they'll be able to to measure the wittiness. Yeah, so they send her to Boston. And in Boston, they decide to indict her, which means that she spends like a month and a half in jail waiting for her trial, which she didn't do anything. <laughs> like this lady yeah. was like living at her house and like uh, it's just trying to not worst. get the shit beat out of her all the time. It's the worst. So, um, let's see, where am I? So she was found not guilty, which is, like, kind of surprising. Because... That is. But good. But it's good. Yeah. But it's kind Rising of surprising. Rising upbeat. Um, she's found not guilty. <laughs> I wrote probably because she hadn't done anything. Yeah. Um, so she goes back to Hadley, and they were not stoked that she just comes back and is back in their life. So 
let's do a little time jump here. There's this dude, Philip Smith. I'm really sorry about my ambient <laughs> cat. I love it so much. God, I don't, I should just never record downstairs. That's really what it means. He's mad that I'm not paying attention to him. What a bitch. Um, okay, there's this guy, Philip Smith. He's like super well-regarded in Hadley. Um, he's a lieutenant. He's of yeah. a much higher social class than Mary is. Good Lord. They probably had beef. I I couldn't find anything super concrete, but like everyone kind of alludes that they had beef. Sure. So he apparently tried to rid the town of witches. And since Mary was back, I am guessing that they had a couple of run-ins and she was so crotchety that it just like kind of spiraled into this like whole thing. So from here on out, it is important to note that most of the information that we have about this event is from Cotton Mather. So Cotton Mather was a like leading Puritan religious figure, kind of okay. not like a religious figure, like, you know, God or anything, but like a religious leader, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand. And he was a big fan of the Salem Witch Trials later on from this, from this. Yeah. So he, like all of his writings are super biased about this whole story. And like his writings are the main record that we have of this. So it's kind of interesting because like, like the whole time it's very much like, oh, well, this lady was picking on this man. Like, no, dude, she is not because she's not a witch because that's not a thing. So She's just a grumpy little old lady. She's just a grumpy lady. That's it. Yeah. So um, so that is an important disclaimer to have throughout the rest of the story is that it's all through this dude's duly noted view. So um, in 1684, Philip Smith gets really sick. Um, he becomes delirious. He's like crying out in pain. Like nobody can diagnose what's going on. And he's like very clearly having a lot of issues and nobody can figure out why it's probably ghosts in his blood. Yeah. So naturally because they're Puritans, they were freaking out and they were like, well, it's this Mary Webster. Cause she's a witch and they have beef. So that's probably what it is. <sighs> so like there were also reports of like a lot of weird shit happening in his room. Like people reportedly heard scratching noises coming from his bed, even though they were like holding onto his hands and feet because he was just writhing around so, like, he wasn't making the scratching noises. There were reports of whole pots of medicine being emptied out with no explanation. Um, there's, like, one story that that while people were watching over him, his bed lit on fire, like, on top of the blanket, and then just went out. So, like, a huh. lot of weird things. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. That's just, huh. Okay. Um, so, while he's super sick, there's all these dudes in town that are like, hey. I bet it's Mary Webster. So we should go disturb her so that this dude can get some peace because supposedly people would like go and like run up to her house and like kind of fuck with her. And that was the only time that he would like stop writhing around is while they were like at her house messing with her. So everybody was like, well, it must be her casting spells on him. So Mm -hmm. they go to her house in the middle of the night. They drag her out of bed. They beat the shit out of her. They hang her from a tree. <gasps> they cut her down, beat her up some more, and bury her in snow and leave her to die. Oh 
My God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, so fun fact though, it didn't do anything because that guy died because obviously he died. He was very sick and she was just a lady and she was not a, just a lady. Um, surprise though, Mary fucking survives. Hell yeah. She survives all of that. She, yeah, survives. She's how old? Um, at this point, she's, like, in her late 60s. Oh, my God. Like, early 60s? Yeah. Um, not early. Like, mid to late 60s. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. So, she then gets a nickname in town for being Half-Hanged Mary, which is just horrible and also incredible. Yeah. You know? really awful and the way it came about is like just brutal it's surprisingly awful even considering the witch trials yeah like which hadn't happened yet which hadn't happened yet (sighs) yeah but also it's kind of a badass name yeah um so half-hanged mary goes on to live for another 11 years yeah she does outlives the shit out of that guy and that means that she was around to see the Salem witch trials happen Ugh. in Massachusetts, which like how scary must that have been? Yeah, no, thank you. For her being like, at what point oh, do you move? Honestly, I mean, yeah, get out of Massachusetts. That place in the 1600s sucks. I've never been, and I'm sure it's great now, but just go. There's so many other nice places. So so many, so many. Um. So, as far as I can tell, she was never tra- charged with witchcraft again, which, like... That's good. Good. <laughs> That's good. Um, but you also kind of have to wonder if it's because she survived. <laughs> if people were maybe like, hmm, maybe she is a witch. Maybe we really should not fuck with her because and maybe you she absolutely seem should to die. Fuck with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I read that and I was just like, hmm, I wonder if it's because people were just like, you know, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. You can just... Why don't we drive but, our cattle around this way? Mm-hmm, right, right, yeah. Um, so she ended up dying at age, I think, 79. And um, it sounds like it was a peaceful death. It wasn't anything horrible, like being hung from a tree. Um, mm. So fun fact, Margaret Atwood, writer of The Handmaid's Tale, is her descendant. Shut and up dedicated the Handmaid's Tale to Mary Webster. That's so cool. Isn't that great? Um, So a quote from Margaret Atwood, um, quote, the Handmaid's Tale is dedicated to Mary Webster because she is an example of a female person wrongly accused, but she is slightly a symbol of hope because they didn't actually manage to kill her. She made it through, which I love. Yeah, she did. (laughs) Um, So last little bit about Mary Webster is that Margaret Atwood also wrote a poem called Half Hanged Mary in 1995 all about Mary Webster that's so cool yeah there have been like stage productions of it I guess and like hmm. poetry readings and things can you can you find the poem online yeah I think so yeah cool I'm gonna look that up I at least found big chunks of it chunks of it yeah Mm-hmm. so dang dang yeah 
so that's the spooky witchy story of Mary Webster. Wow. And a bunch of dudes who really didn't like her. A bunch of dudes who suck. Really didn't like her. Yeah. So much. How dare that little old woman mind her own business and also not smile at me. Oh, my God. She's Ugh. so grumpy. And, like, she got all this shit just for being a grumpy lady. Wow. It's good that I don't live in that time because, man. Oh, you'd, you'd be hanged. Yeah, I would do no good in 1600s Massachusetts. No, you would not. Nope. I think they would consider your migraines given from the devil. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, I don't think that would... Uh... I love you dearly. No, it wouldn't go over well, though. You would, no. Mm-mm, no. Yeah. I love it. Will you source your shit for me? Absolutely. Um, so the main place that I got all this information is from the transcript of a talk given by Bridget Marshall. She's an associate professor of English at the University of Massachusetts, Lowell. And she has, like, built her whole career studying stories of accused witchcraft from before Salem witch trials. Which are like, yeah. Yeah. So um, there was also a really great article from PRI.org, which is public radio international. Um, okay. And they quote Bridget Marshall a lot. So like, she's kind of the person. She's like this. The, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She's the main. Um, then there's a really good article in the new England historical society website talking about Mary Webster and then some of the information from that episode of Lore, which, again, is episode 12 of Half Hanged. Yeah, I'm going to super duper look that up. It's great. Yeah, it's a great podcast, and it's like 20 minutes long. They're short. Nice. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my. I love it. I love your spooky lady. Thanks. Yeah, me too. All right, well, sit well, back. I'm putting away my computer. Getting yeah. my shandy. Um, okay, so Taylor. Yes. Have you or your shandy ever heard of Elizabeth Friedman? Uh, no. That's awesome because she's real cool. Great. And I'm particularly excited to tell you, I keep I feel like I keep finding babes based on like what I'm excited to tell you about. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it just makes them stand out to me. Okay. Anyway, um, Elizabeth Friedman, I'm not going to tell you like the title that was given to her later in life. I'm going to save that. Okay. Um, she was born August 26th of 1892 in Huntington, Indiana. I have no idea where that is, but it's probably in Indiana somewhere. Yeah. Well, okay. I know that part. I meant what part of Indiana. Um, that's okay. I don't either. Good. So we're in agreement. Um, she is the youngest of nine children born to Quaker parents, John and Sofa Smith. Sofa? Sofa. Like S-O-F-A? No, S-O-P-H-A. Sofa. Mm-hmm. Which every time I look at it, for some reason I want to say Sofa P.A. Smith. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's it's not. No. It's just Sofa. sofa. No, wow, okay. uh, but Sofa. Okay, so this is like a fun fact that is in literally every article I read about her. Uh, so her name is spelled Elizabeth's name is spelled E L I Z E B E T H. Okay. Um, and apparently, 
Sofa named her that because she hated the name Eliza and wanted no one to even like pretend to be able to call her Eliza. And so she was like, I'm taking out the A. I hate that's, the A. That's great. So yeah. Um, she's really funny. with an E. Um, so my favorite quote about her is that she's quote at best strongly opinionated with a disdain for stupidity. Oh yes. That's what everybody should be. It's incredible. I love it so, so much. Good. She has zero patience for idiots. So good. Which comes in handy later in her life. Um, so she worked as a hairdresser and a seamstress and a fashion consultant, um, like early on in her life because she was real chic. Um, <laughs> she briefly attended Worcester College, Worcester College, I don't know, Worcestershire College in I like Ohio. That okay. Um, but she graduated from Hillsdale College in Michigan, so she just kind of bounced around the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and she got a degree in English literature, but she studied Latin, Greek, German, and, quote, minored in a great many things. Casual. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, of the nine kids, two of them went to college, and she was one of them, so she did not fucking waste it. That's she so cool. She went to college. Um, she was a high school principal for one year before she hated it and quit, which I get. Yeah, that makes sense. I would hate that job so much. God bless wow, the all worst high school job. faculty. Yeah, honestly. Um, and she moved to Chicago and began work at the Newberry Research Library. So while she's there, this sweet little librarian is like getting to know her and asking her hobbies. And she found out that she loved Shakespeare so she called this guy George Fabian, who seems like such an eclectic, or not eclectic, eccentric, rich nerd okay. for the time. Because he had a 500-acre estate slash research center in Geneva, Illinois, that was technically called Riverbank, but he called it his private think tank. Wow. And he just like he found interesting, brilliant people and he employed typists, translators. There was a um, a grad student that worked in genetics. There were specialists in acoustics and engineering, like just all sorts of random things. He found the best of the best and hired them to come work on this 500 acre estate researching stuff. That's so cool. I know. Um, 500 it, acres too. That's huge. It's a big old place. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was one of the first facilities to promote cryptology. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. So I, I cannot. Okay. Wow. Do you know I'm, who she is? Did you put it together? No, but God, yeah. I just, I'm so excited about this. I could talk about cryptology for the rest of my life <laughs> so technically her title is america's first female cryptologist yes. but i like to call her the american mother of cryptology because yeah she basically is she is yeah. it's it's great okay um so before the like army cipher bureau was developed uh riverbank was the only facility that could solve any kind of like enciphered messages okay so she's hired in 1916 uh to work with this woman named elizabeth wells gallup and her sister 
And they were trying to prove that Shakespeare's plays and sonnets were written by Francis Bacon. Of course. Oh, okay. By, uh, they were supposedly decoding a cipher that Francis Bacon left inside the plays and sonnets. Um, it had something to do with like the fonts or the typography that he used. Anyway, so when that sweet little librarian found out that she liked Shakespeare and was brilliant in new languages, she called Fabian. Fabian hired her to come out and work with these two sisters to prove that Francis Bacon was actually the author. Cool. So her first day out there, she meets this dude named William Friedman. And he was hired to conduct genetic experiments on crops and to analyze Shakespeare's work through photo enlargements. I don't okay. know how those two things go together, but <laughs> you've got to have a hobby. You know, yeah. You know? Um, and so day one, they're like, Shakespeare? And he's like, oh, wow. And she's like, oh, wow. Uh, let's, let's be nerds together. So the next year they get married. <laughs> Cute. And she introduced him to cryptology. So then two years later, the Volstead Act is passed. Which I always forget that it's called the Volstead Act, but that was the act that prohibited the manufacture, sale, import, or export of intoxicating liquors. Oh, so prohibition? So prohibition. Okay. Um, so, and I didn't realize how, what they considered an intoxicating liquor, it was anything over half a percent of alcohol. Oh my God. So half like, a percent, so like perfumes. Perfumes. <laughs> like, the, I mean, moment of silence. Oh, no. Can you imagine being a lot? I just would have been miserable. Boring. So boring. When was Aquanet, like, manufactured and invented? Oh, my God. Does there, that count? There's like, no way that it doesn't. That stuff is toxic. It will probably kill anyone that ingests any of it. It's got to be over half a percent alcohol. Who knows? Got to be. Well, so, like, yeah, mouthwash and everything, right? It's, it has to be. Half a percent? Half a percent, that's nothing. That's nothing! Anyway, wow. God bless everybody that was alive. So, yeah, 1920 to 1933, they are solidly in Prohibition. I'm sipping my shandy in honor. I know, right? I've got my wine mm -hmm. over here. Um, so, for four years, Elizabeth and William work at uh, Riverbank. Everything's wonderful. And then in 1921, they move to Washington, D.C. to work for the War Department. Cool. Um, and then in 1923, she began work as a cryptanalyst, which dope title. Yeah. Wow. Uh, for the Navy, which led to future positions at the U.S. US Treasury Department's Bureau of Prohibition and Bureau of Customs. Um, one thing, one aside, is thanks to Elizabeth Friedman and this research. I now definitely know how to spell bureau. Hey, it good turns news. out that I did not. <laughs> it was a it was a struggle, but here we are. Um so, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um so smugglers at the time weren't like solely focused on liquor. They were also smuggling narcotics, perfume, jewelry, and you guessed it, pinto beans. Oh man. All running. the same category of thing. I know. <laughs> My favorite things. That's that's what it is. Um, so 
in one of her quotes is that like at this time, the water routes back and forth between the Florida coast and the Bahamas and Florida to Cuba and back had become one of the highways of liquor smuggling. Um, which, so hang on, sorry. Is she also trying to catch smugglers that are smuggling pinto beans? Yes, she is. Cute. And by trying, I mean she is nailing it. Cute. And also, what a narc, but cute. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but apparently, so, uh, yeah, speaking of narcs, um, what, another one of my favorite quotes from her is that, quote, the government law enforcement agencies had no more taste, I <laughs> get it, um, for it, <laughs> it being like chasing and catching everybody that was violating prohibition which was everybody right um they had no more taste for it than the public who loved their drink but government officials who with minor exceptions were honest at least had no choice but to pursue the rigid torturous paths of attempting to defeat the operations of the criminal gangs uh she was also known to say that it would take 250,000 cops to enforce the law in new york and 200,000 cops to enforce the cops Uh, yeah so apparently like they would cut the alcohol five times before it ever got to the public but nobody cared because they just wanted booze and this is when capone is making like a hundred million dollars on beer you know man everything's crazy what a nutso time what a nutso time like that's just it's just so that's just a crazy thing to me yeah that that was ever a thing. One of the articles that I was reading about her like went crazy in depth about specific stories and what prohibition meant and what it, I mean it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, so because of you know technology moving forward as is its progression, um, radios were getting sleeker and smaller and more discreet. So smugglers would use radios to code messages and conduct general sneaky business. Um, and then Elizabeth moved to DC and just no mammed the hell out of it. So <laughs> they kept making more and more complex codes and she just kept cracking them and catching everybody, which she didn't have any computers or calculators at the time. She just had like basic math knowledge and a background in languages. Wow. And she's wow. crushing it. Um, in 1931, she convinced Congress to create a seven-man cryptanalytic section, I think of the government, that she was in charge of. Um, and a code building company sent a representative to sell her stuff, and she said, quote, our office doesn't make them, we only break them. Cool. Yes. Cool lady. Cool lady that can rhyme. Oh, I know. She's a, she can rap. She can, she's great at puzzles. God. So good. She loves Shakespeare. That's oh. great. Um, what a brave babe. So she works for the Coast Guard and the Bureau of Foreign Control for a while. And while she was there, she solved 12,000 rum runner messages. Wow. Um, so then she began teaching the basics in cryptoanalytic and like deciphering techniques and everything. And so as new systems began cropping up, she could stay ahead of them because she was teaching and at the forefront of codes essentially and so she was mm-hmm. always one step ahead of the smugglers which is hilarious to me yeah that's good. um 
They often called her to testify against the accused. And in 1933, she was called as an expert witness in the case against another incredible title, Master International Rum Runner, Bert Morrison of New Orleans. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Right? That's there the are coolest so thing. Many, there are so many dope titles in this story. It's great. What did you say? Master International Rum Runner? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Bert sold and shipped booze in like all throughout the um, Gulf of Mexico, Pacific Coast, Belize, British Honduras. And I'm not super positive, but some of it made it sound like he was smuggling for Canada. I don't, those wily Canadians. I, those wily, wily Canadians. Um, but in her uh, testimony in that court case, she brought out a blackboard and wrote, like, basically gave the court a lesson in basic code breaking and cryptology. And so there was a sentence that they used that was out of old kernel in pints. And she used it to be like, do you see how many O's and L's are in this? Nobody talks like that. Like the most common letter in the English language is E. And yeah. so if they're using codes and there's this many O's and L's, you can easily figure out where the E's are, where the A's are, and then go from there. Um, and out of that court case, Weird. they convicted 35 bootleg ringleaders. Man, so dude, I bet she was really good at, like, newspaper puzzles. Oh, my God. Can you like, I mean. Like, I'll usually do the crossword and the Sudoku, but, like, all of the, all of this kind of shit, there's just, there's just no way. She'd look at it and be like, challenge me, please. Right. Yeah. I, that, wow. Um. So this is one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. In 1934, there was a sailing vessel flying a Canadian flag. Um, the vessel was called I'm Alone, by the way, which... Cool name. Terrible name for a boat. Um, but it was sunk by the U.S. Coast Guard for failing to heed a, like, heave to and be searched signal. So they just sunk it? They sunk it. Um, so Canada filed a, a suit that some accounts say it was like $350,000. Some accounts say it was $380,000. It doesn't matter. It was a crap ton of money. But they file a suit against the U.S. And the U.S. hires Elizabeth as part of their team. And she find, they give her 23 messages. And the intelligence that she decoded from those messages proved that it was owned by a U.S. smuggler. Um and there was a whole bunch of booze on board. And so then they were able to identify and capture the smuggler. So Canada drops the charges <laughs> and they're super impressed by her. There was a big old sorry happening apparently. Um, which can you imagine like filing a huge suit? And then it's like, this was never your boat to begin with. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> JK lol. <laughs> you're right. Just also, if you're ahead. a smuggler, don't name your boat. I'm alone. I feel like it's just like a huge red flag. Anyway, Because it's like, hey, I'm not actually alone. I'm here with a bunch of booze or like because. I feel like that's naming your boat. Don't look over here. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing happening over here. 
carry yeah. on your business. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm I would home. agree with you then. Buddy. What do you what do you think the best boat name is? Like First, if you had a boat. No, like if you had a boat. I had a boat. Oh boy. Um R.I.P. Prohibition. <laughs> I would love to be wandering around about these and see a boat named R.I.P. Prohibition. <laughs> you know that boat's a good time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, you win. I'm not even going to say mine. Cause... Wait, what's your... No, I want to know yours. No, no. Well, because Evan and I have, like, had this, you know, dream for years and years that we want to buy a boat. And so every so often this conversation comes up where we're like, well, what would we name our boat? And Evan always wants to name it, like, I don't know. Boating with boat <laughs> Yeah, like, d- yes. Things like that. And what do I you always, I think that if you get a boat, especially if it's not, like, a nice boat, if it's, like, kind of a shitty boat. Yeah. Which, like, Evan and I would definitely have kind of a shitty boat, obviously. Sure. You have to name it the Orca because that's the name of the boat on Jaws. I but agree. Tells me, you have to name it the Orca. Evan tells me that name is really basic. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but it's not because an Orca is a whale. It's because that's the name of the boat on Jaws. Well, then you would have to name it the Orca because it's the name of the boat on Jaws. <gasps> oh my God. But all one word. Yes. So like on the side of the boat, it fills up the whole boat. But on the back, it's really uncomfortably long. We picked the name of my future boat. Great. Good news. <laughs> Um, okay, after that big detour. Oh, right, Canada. Um, Back to, yeah, Elizabeth with three E's. Elizabeth with all the E's. So Canada's super impressed by her, and they hire her to help them with a opium dealer problem that they're having. Despite not knowing Mandarin, she (laughs) solved a complex Chinese enciphered code that led to several convictions just because she knew, like, codes puzzles and how languages worked wow yeah it's she's so cool that's so cool um and then she has codes that like one of them came from havana and used the word havana as the keyword and she was like guys 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 what was the what was the quote at the beginning a disdain for stupidity guys <laughs> guys i'm filled with disdain stupid idiots um, so then in the forties, World War II is happening, right? Yeah. As we all know. And, um, there was a woman named Velva Lee Dickinson, which, where did the name Velva Lee go? And can we bring it back? Velva Lee? Velva Lee. V-E-L-V-A-L-E-E. Velva Lee. Yeah. At first I was like, what a weird name, and now I can't stop saying it. That is quite the name. Velvely Dickinson. Velvely. Anyway, so she married uh, the head of a brokerage firm that had a lot of Japanese-American clients. And so she and her husband join Japanese-American society and start rubbing shoulders, which is probably the weirdest phrase ever, with... <laughs> you just I thought it was like... People- yeah, I guess it is rubbing shoulders. Whenever I think of that phrase, I always think it's like, I always think it's like touching elbows or something. <laughs> oh, both. Can you imagine going to a party and it's silent? People are just rubbing shoulders and touching elbows. Yeah, but like elbow to elbow. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, silent party. 
Wow, that's the that's gonna be my next birthday party. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> Everybody has to just touch elbows and rub shoulders. Gross. I don't like it. Um. So anyway, they and so they they start like really getting to know members of the Japanese consulate. So then his brokerage firm business took a downturn, and as did their role as like proponents of good Japanese American relations. And so somewhere in there, Velvely and her husband become spies for Japan. Okay. So Velvely had a doll shop. Creepy. Again, creepy. Um, and that was her cover, and she became known as the Doll Woman, which Ew. creepy. Creepy. No Ugh. one likes to be known as that. No. I don't like it. No. Um, but she would use the names of women she found in her business as codes to talk to Japanese agents about U.S. Navy vessel movements in Pearl Harbor. Wow. Okay. And Elizabeth cracked that shit. Good. Um, so, yeah, she got the correspondence, cracked it, and Velvely was found guilty. Wow. Um, Damn. Elizabeth also was very influential in cracking the, um, like, Japan's purple encryption machine, um, which apparently was very hard to do yeah no that's the thing i know a lot about so me too me too uh we'll talk about that on a different podcast great that'll be our purple encryption podcast (laughs) i i don't know where this quote fits in really i looked up the dates later on but it's just it's one of my favorite you know when you come across a sentence in research and you're like who who wrote this what are you doing uh, mm-hmm. so while William, her husband, cause he's working as a cryptologist this whole time too. So he's working on deciphering letters, um, of Albert Fall, who was the interior secretary to the president at the time. Um, and he deciphered those and it led to, um, Albert Fall's conviction of bribery and the teapot dome scandal, which I now know the very basis of what it's about. Okay. Um, so while William is working on all of this. Quote, Elizabeth gave birth to two children and decided to write a book on the alphabet. Wow. Because obviously. Because casual. Yeah. Just pop out a couple kids and you know what? I think I'm going to write a book about the alphabet. Ugh. Do you know that the phrase pop out a couple kids is my most hated phrase in the English language? Oh. It makes me so deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, you know. Pop out. Is rubbing shoulders and touching elbows. Oh, man, so many terrible phrases. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. So many people have turned off this podcast by this point. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. (laughs) They're like, I did not ask for this. They're like, listen, first they started talking about cat puke, and now there's this. (laughs) It's the worst. Uh, It's our goal. We just want to make everyone incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, So after World War II, Elizabeth worked as a consultant and creator of communications for the Internal Monetary Fund, or sorry, (laughs) International Monetary Fund. Okay. And then after retirement, at this point I called them Liz and Bill, um, they collaborated on a book together called The Shakespearean Ciphers Examined, which won a bajillion awards more than any other book, like in its category. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, yeah. it's, yeah. And it proved once and for all that Francis Bacon did not freaking write Shakespeare's plays. Oh my God. And so it is, it's considered the authority on the topic of like, Hey, everybody that thinks that Francis Bacon wrote these calm down. 
Shut Sit up. Down. Shut up. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. And so in their book, because they're sassy little minxes, they use the cipher that Bacon was supposedly supposed to have used with the fonts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they use that to hide a message in the book that says, I didn't write the plays F Bacon. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. Wow. I love it. Which also just an adorable fact about Elizabeth and William. They would hold parties that were like puzzle parties. And so the dinner menu was all in code and you would have to solve the puzzle to move on to the next course. Oh my God. Can you imagine going to one of those fucking parties? (laughs) I love that you hate it. And I'm like, how cute is this? (laughs) I would just be so irritated the whole time. Like what? Like just please give me bread pudding or whatever the fuck. And salad. Fantastic. Like, oh my God. Don't make me like you're hosting this party. Why am I having to do the work for it? (laughs) Stupid. I definitely would. I guess maybe because, like, when I read that tidbit, there's a picture of them sitting together laughing, and they look so cute. I mean, that's definitely like, like peak nerd cute. Oh yeah, they're huge nerds. But like, unless you were an equal level of nerd to them, like, you can't just have casual friends that you invite over to that kind of fucking thing, because like. No, yeah, that's true. It has to be your like, cryptology friends. Yeah. Oh my God. Barf. That would, I would just be that person that was like, well, I guess I'm getting Taco Bell on the way home. Cause <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> 1940s Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. You know, back That's when it was still right? like food. Was it alive then? No, guaranteed. No, there's okay. no way. Maybe my next episode will be on whoever founded Taco Bell. Spooky. Um, <laughs> she did a lot of work obviously with smugglers and mainly like alcohol and narcotics and stuff. But she also did a case on um, weapons smuggling. And during the trial, when the information that she had decoded was presented, they didn't present it as, you know, a cryptologist, blah, blah, blah. They just like said it as fact. And apparently the guilty party thought somebody had snitched and I guess guns weren't banned in courtrooms back then because he opened fire and killed the defendant before the court martial shot him and killed him. But can you, what a, what a courtroom. Like I, wow. That's like the wild west. Yes. A hundred percent. But also ciphers. It's crazy. Um, so in 1969, her husband, William dies and she devoted pretty much the rest of her time to compiling a library and bibliography of his life. And it was called the most extensive private collection of cryptological material in the world. Um, And it was later put in the George C. Marshall research library in Lexington, Virginia. And I want to see that. Yeah, really? That's gotta be cool. Elizabeth Friedman, nerd extraordinaire (laughs) died on Halloween, 1980 88 years old and through all of my research I do not know what killed her wow I have no idea why she died even spookier I know right I love it there's a little bit of mixed um accounts some say that her ashes were scattered in Arlington where William was buried some say that she was buried next to him in Arlington either way But there was a a tombstone there 
that said knowledge is power, which is a quote by Francis Bacon. And it's a cipher that's William's initials because forever coded nerds. Wow. Yeah. I love it. Um, So a bunch of people doing research in like the eighties and nineties couldn't find anything about her for a really, really long time. And it turned out that uh, J. Edgar Hoover sucks. <laughs> and all of the work she did in World War II, he specifically took her name out of it and took the credit for himself. And Ew, so, what? Everyone, yeah, everyone knew that William Friedman was this amazing cryptologist and code cracker and all this stuff. And no one knew that Elizabeth was because J. Edgar Hoover specifically took her name out. And took wow. the credit for himself. So there is a book by a guy named Jason Fagan, I think. Uh, it's called The Woman Who Smashed Codes. And cool. he talked about all of her time as a Nazi spy hunter, which, again, coolest title in the world. Coolest title. So in 1999, she was added to the NSA Hall of Fame. And in 2002, NASA named a building the William and Elizabeth Friedman Building. So posthumously, they got the credit they deserved, but Hoover sucks, essentially. Yeah. And that's the story of uh, the woman who smashed codes, Nazi spy hunter, crypto analytical Navy Coast Guard. She's so cool. Elizabeth Friedman. So cool. Wow. Damn. I'm a huge fan. What a sweet sweet nerd. I know. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Wow, that's really great. Isn't that a cool story? It was a really cool story. I liked it. Good work. Thanks, man. Oh, you um, your shit? Yeah, sorry. Um, so 90% of the information I got is on was on a huge article on NSA.gov. Cool. Um, and then <laughs> there was a really funny article. It's I mean, it's not funny. It was filled with a lot of, like, tidbits and facts. Um on mentalfloss.com oh um and then the article that like dove super deep into prohibition yeah was called the mobmuseum.org mob being like mobsters right um which now all of a sudden i'm getting advertisements for the mob museum on instagram and facebook and everything i'm like come on guys let it go (laughs) that's my shit that's great that's a great time thanks dude i love doing this me too so much fun it's the best yeah it's great, it's great so fun. my question is who's your lady of the week taylor my lady of the week is actually a lady from like two weeks ago because of the way we've been recording this but sure. um, i went and had drinks with bailey from moose's tooth mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and um <laughs> it was the best it was just Aww. the best i i she had texted me and was like, "Hey, um, I'm really sorry that your migraine is still going. Do you want to, do you want to meet up? Because we haven't seen each other in a long time." And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds great." She's also dealt with chronic pain for a really long time, so mm. it was just so great having somebody <clears throat> to bounce. That understands. Yeah, because like she's had chronic pain in her hip for like years, and I guess it was like a really horrible and complicated uh, diagnosis. And not the diagnosis is horrible, but like the process of getting well, diagnosed was horrible, horrible. Okay. um any chronic and, pain has to be horrible yeah and and it was just so nice talking to somebody who understands and like 
you know, not that, not that not everybody understands because everybody no, but- in my life has been so incredible about my almost six month migraine, but like, but it's just something. We can be empathetic and sympathetic, but like we, we being non chronic pain people, I mean, I don't get it. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. And it was just so nice to like talk to somebody who also has had like misogynistic doctors not believe her because she's a lady and like, yeah. And I mean, she just kept saying over and over like, yeah, you know, it's just so refreshing and surprisingly helpful how the simple act of having a doctor validate your pain helps so much. And I was like, yeah, that's all I'm looking for. Like all I need is a doctor to be like, this must really suck. It's like, yeah, it really yeah. Super does. It really does. And like not have a doctor call it just a headache or tell yeah. me that I'm overreacting or whatever. Like it's, so it was just great. And, um, but yeah, I, it's just, she's just the best. And um, it was just such a nice, a nice thing to like talk to somebody who understands just how like, debilitating and like tiring it is you know it's just tiring yeah I bet yeah and like yeah so anyway um it was and she's my lady of the week good that's awesome yay yeah 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 who's yours um mine is actually a group of ladies and I don't actually know their names I know one of their first names her name's Molly but They are the women that not, they don't run it by themselves, but that work, um, at the place where I got Valkyrie felines and canines. Cool. Because they, so it's a husband and wife team that they go down to Alabama. They have a, they call it a collecting or collection facility. They have a place in Alabama where they gather dogs from high kill shelters. Yeah dogs and cats from high kill shelters. And then they bust them up to Chicago um, because apparently Chicago is number one for dog adoption in the U S. Oh my God. Cute. And so they just they, like every week or two weeks, they ship like bus loads of dogs and cats up here to find them homes. And then they just keep going back and getting more. Oh my God. Um, my heart. I know. And they like, we went in um, on a Thursday and we were like, hey, this is like the age and the weight of the dog that we're looking for. And they didn't have, they only have like puppy puppies. And both of us working full time, we didn't have time to train a puppy. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, but come back tomorrow. We're getting a busload of 18 more dogs in about an hour. And we're going to, you know, they make sure they have all their shots and they're spayed and neutered. And they're, you know, like they've got chips and they've got... Mm-hmm medication they've got rabies treatments like they they make sure that all of these dogs and cats are like good to go yeah and then they take a picture of each one and they post a full bio on facebook so you know personality traits you know if they're good with cats and dogs and people or if they are better off alone you know like these two were adopted to or were found together it would probably be best if they could be adopted together like yeah they give you all of the information that they possibly can so that every single pet can go to the best home in the world. And literally these dogs and cats are adopted within hours and days. Damn. It is, I mean, it is so quick the turnaround because everybody knows 
exactly what they want and what they're getting. And so every pet ends up with the best family. And I love it so much. My heart so great. just explodes. And I'm, I love my girl. She's incredible. And she's twitching right now in her sleep. But you know oh, what? Cute. I know. She does a lot. It's super cute. But yeah, they're they're doing incredible work over there and it would break my heart to like get attached to all of those pets and then turn around and then watch them leave. Mhm. And like I know that I mean it would be helpful knowing that they're going to a forever home. But man. Yeah. They are doing great work and if you're anywhere in the Chicagoland area and you need a pet or want a pet, I highly recommend Felines and Canines on North Polina. Because they're wonderful. That's great. Yeah. We should post a link to their page. Yeah. We can totally do that. They're also a nonprofit. So any donations are going to help sweet baby angels like my sweet baby angel find a home. Great. I love that. Me too. My heart. I love that. And I love this. Me too, man. Um, Oh. For anybody is... listening, if you've stuck around, <laughs> first of all, good on you. Yeah, work. well done. Um, second of all, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Gmail, all Gmail. at Babetown Pod. Babetown all Pod. the same thing. Just we great. post photos that you can scroll along with while you listen, so you can really visualize the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we post updates when there are random updates about things. Mm-hmm. And you can send us your recommendations for who we should cover or your lady of the week or, you know, send us like a, hey, how's it going? Yeah, just whatever. Whatever. Just want to hear from you guys. Um, speaking of hearing from you guys, rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It super um, does. Oh, also, I wanted to say, I have appreciated the feedback so, so, so much, um, both in, like, the, hey, I love everything you're doing, and the, like, constructive criticism that we've gotten. 100%. I It means the world to me, and I would like to point out, we are looking into microphones. Yeah. Thank we you, We are making that upgrade soon. Thank yeah. you for sticking with us. And, and thank you for pointing it out to us. Like, that's and thank you for pointing it out to us. To hear. hear. Um, but yeah, we're working on it and we're trying to find the best one. And if you have any recommendations about great microphones for not crazy expensive, we would like to hear about them. Yeah. So email us. Oh my God. Taylor. Oh my God. Oh my God. She just put her chin on my leg. Oh God. (laughs) Pup chins are best chins. Seriously. Ugh. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. All right. We love you guys. Well, Yeah. We love you guys. We love each other. We love this podcast. All of those things. Those are all true. We love all these babes. So many babes. So many Uh, babes. uh, Talk to you next week. Yeah. Next Wednesday. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Love you, dude. Love you. Bye. Bye.